Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, I am really, really glad that you are here. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online, welcome. All right, this is the second week of our four-week vision series. We are calling simply, This Is My Church. This is my church. You know, I love to read, uh, so I read quite a few books. I hardly ever read uh, fiction. Uh, But a couple of weeks ago, I read a novel uh, that I thought was fascinating. Uh, It was entitled, What Alice Forgot. What Alice Forgot. And this is the premise of that novel, that there's a woman named Alice. She fell, she hit her head. And uh, when she came to, she had forgotten 10 years of her life. Like, she didn't have amnesia where she didn't know who she was. She just missed out on the last 10 years So when she opened her eyes, she thought it was 1998, but it was actually 2008. So in 1998, Alice was super happily married and was expecting her first child. But when she woke up, people had to convince her that things had changed, and now she had three children, and she was in the midst of a very messy divorce. And the whole book, the way it unfolds, is Alice trying to figure out what happened to her marriage and really is what has happened to her because what she starts to realize is that in that 10-year span, she became a much different person. She became a much worse person. She was not as kind, not as forgiving, the relationships that were whole and healthy in 1998 were now fractured and strained in 2008. Wouldn't that be terrible? You know, I was thinking, though, as I you know, read the book, that all of us are like that, right? With, I mean, not the amnesia part, but you're going to wake up a year from now or five years from now, 10 years from now, you're going to be a different person. Right? Wouldn't it be terrible to wake up five years from now and realize you're a much worse person than you were back in 2023. That you're not as kind to find out that the relationships that you valued in 2023 now are fractured and broken or non-existent. On the other hand, wouldn't it be great to wake up five years from now and think and realize that you're a much better person, that you're kinder, more generous, more forgiving, that the relationships that were fractured in 2023 have been healed somehow in 2028. How do we make sure? 
How do we make sure that in a year or five years, you are more a better version of yourself than you are right now? The answer to that, according to the passage we just had read to us, seems to be what you are willing to do in response to this series, This Is My Church. It's crazy, isn't it? But look at what Paul says in verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What Paul does right there is he ties your maturity, your fulfilling and growing into the the full stature of Christ to be connected to this thing he called the body of Christ, which is the church. And since you are here right now, it means this church. No Christian ever becomes all that God intended them to be by themselves. Not you and not me. Now, last week, Pastor Zach kicked off the series, did a great job. And one of the things he talked about was our purpose statement as a church. And our purpose statement is this, we exist uh, to help you reimagine life because of Jesus. That's what we say. And when we say reimagine, we mean to rethink, to see what is not yet true. I, I, I'm always amazed that people can walk into a house that's a, an old house or an ill-kept house and see what it could be. They say, oh, no, if we just knock out this wall and open up this area, or if we put in a bay window here, and what they're able to do is to see not just what is, but what could be. That's Jesus with you. That Jesus sees you as you really are. He sees you more clearly than you see yourself. But he also sees what he made you to be, what you could be, what you deep down want to be. But sometimes, at least for me, I think that that renovation process is a very personal thing, that it happens between me and Jesus. But what Paul says is Jesus did not save you just to make you a a better and healthier version of you. He didn't save you just so that one day you could have the hope of heaven. He saved you so that you could become part of what he calls his body that you could become a vital part of a church, and together the church astonishes the world, right? You can never be all that God intends you to be without the people around you, and neither can I. Here are my three points that I want to pull out of this passage. I want to talk about what God did and what we do, why God did it, why we do it, And then finally, how God did it and how we do it. Okay? What God did, why God did it, how God does it, what we do, why we do it, how we do it. All right, first, what God does. This is what it says in verse 11 and 12. It says this, And he, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The first thing that it says that God does is he gives teachers. 
apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists. Every Christian is obligated to put themselves in a position to be built up by teaching. Now, when Paul names apostles, like Paul was an apostle, John was an apostle, Peter was an apostle. An apostle was someone who was receiving new revelation from God, and they knew they were receiving that revelation from God, and they wrote it down. You can be under the teaching of the apostles just by reading the Bible. You are sitting right now under the ministry of the apostles because we are looking at what Paul wrote. Then the others that he names, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which is the word for pastors, and teachers like me, what we do is take the apostles' teaching and we try to give it to you in a way that makes it easy for you to digest and to make it a part of your lives. And I want to be really clear about this. Uh, Whoever is teaching, whether it's me or Zach or whoever is teaching the Bible to you, we do not affect that change. The secret for you growing is not me. It's the Bible. The Bible is the medicine. I, I may be able to help the medicine go down, right? But when you come up after a message or something, you say, oh, that that really changed me. It's not me. And I want to make sure that you don't overvalue like someone like me because it's the Bible that's the medicine. And Paul describes what the medicine does in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is what he says. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. He uses uh, four words to describe what Scripture does inside of you, what it's supposed to do. The first word he uses is teaching. Uh, That's a word for doctrine. It's actually translated doctrine in other translations. And that means uh, to to understand the, the the cohesiveness of the Bible. I think so often uh, if someone's a young Christian or you just become a Christian, you don't really know what to do with the Bible or how it works. So when you're struggling with something, you, you try to pick it up and you just open it up and you try to read whatever's there and you hope that it actually will say something to you. You, you treat it a little bit like a magic eight ball, you know, where you go, what do I need to do? And then you open it up. Uh, when you put yourself under teaching, what you're doing is you're going to be understanding Really, the, the whole message of the Bible, the unifying kind of story of the Bible, if you come here for any length of time, you will hear us say the Bible is one story with one hero, and that hero is Jesus. Theologians will use four words to describe this overarching unity of the Bible. They'll use the words creation, fall, uh, redemption, and restoration. Right, creation, what, the way the the world was made. You know, we use four geometric figures to try to help you capture that in your head. Uh, square, triangle, triangle, square. They're right out in the hallway over there. The square we use to, to kind of symbolize creation, the way things ought to be. Every person you know, every neighbor, every coworker knows what is is not the way things ought to be. That first triangle is the brokenness of the world. It's a broken square. It signifies the brokenness of the world out there, but also the brokenness that we feel 
inside of ourselves. The second triangle is the hope that we have in Jesus, that the cure for the shattered world and the shattered soul you have is not the government and it's not education, it's Jesus. And then finally, that last square is the ideal when God one day will restore all things and all sad things will become untrue. Square, triangle, triangle, square. The more you are under the teaching of the Bible, if you're going to be a part of a church, the church ought to be teaching you how all the scriptures fit together. If you come here all year this year, 2023, or any year, if you start in January and hit all 52 weeks, what you will hear from the preaching is you will hear a series from every major part in the Bible. You'll hear a series in the Old Testament, a series in the New Testament, a series in the Gospels, a series in the Epistles, all because we are trying to show you the unity of Scripture, because that's the way the medicine works. That's teaching. The second word that he uses to describe the medicine is reproof. Listen, for the Bible to actually do the healing work that it needs to do in you, it has to be free to convict you. Yeah, this is really important. That means you have to be willing to hear stuff that you disagree with or that, you, that makes you squirm. And I say this is really important because it seems like we are losing the capacity to feel uncomfortable or to disagree with someone. And I don't want you to hear something from me or from Zach that you disagree with and then go find a church where you agree with everything. Right? And this is the reason. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's this story about King David. King David had gone off the rails. Now, when, when a king goes off the rails, they really go off the rails. So King David, he had committed adultery and murder, and uh, no one would confront him because he was so powerful and people were scared of him. But then there's this prophet, Nathan, who God says, you need to go confront David. And the way Nathan does it is he goes and he tells David a story. He says, uh, oh, king, uh, something happened you need to know about. There was a rich guy who lived next to a poor guy. And the rich guy had some guests come in from out of town. And instead of taking one of his own sheep and slaughtering that, he took his, his neighbor, his poor neighbor's pet lamb, and he slaughtered that and fed it to his guests. What do you think should happen? And David goes off. Like he senses the injustice of it. And when he's at the height of his anger, Nathan looks him in the eye and delivers this famous line. He says, oh, David, thou art the man. You're the one. Okay, that means if, if you are here, if Scripture's really going to do its work inside of you, sometimes you have to realize, I'm talking to you. You're the one. You're the one who doesn't serve. You're the one who doesn't give. You're the one who doesn't forgive. You have to come to the place where you are willing to put yourself under teaching that will someday, sometimes say, it's you. Right? Then he uses a third word, and the third word is correction. Now, correction is different than reproof. It's actually the Greek word for, for to mend something. Does the Bible make you stronger as you approach life? Does the Bible help you deal with the anxiety and the pressure of everyday 
life. That's correction. And then finally, training in righteousness. That if Scripture is really going to do its work, it has to not just stay in your head and you know things, and not just that you feel things, but it actually filters into a change of your character. You know, in that, that book, What Alice Forgot, at one point she turns to her husband and she's trying to find out how they got to this place. And she says, what happened to us? And he looks at her and he says, a million things. And what he was saying is, it didn't happen all at once. There are a million little incremental changes that got us to this place. It's going to be the same thing with you. That's why consistency is so important. You have to be constantly putting yourself in a position so that you can be trained because for you to become more like Jesus, it's going to be a million little things. Okay. You want to know what we do here? The reason we have worship services, the reason we, we, are, we live stream them is so that you can tune in even when you're sick or when you are traveling. And by the way, if you're out there, it's not a permanent solution. It's not intended to be permanent. Come back. <laughs> All right? But we do that because it's so important. The reason we have circles, which is our small groups, which I'll tell you about in a minute. The reason we have Bible studies, the reason we have theology classes, the reason we have uh, support groups is all because we want to make sure that there is no excuse for anybody who comes to our church to not be coming under the teaching and being built up by the teaching of God's word. That's what God did. That's what we do. Okay, then Paul tells why God did it. Why God created this thing called the body of Christ. Why God created a church. And what he says is that he created the church in order to make all of us like Jesus. And he tells us in three different ways, just in these verses. And the first way is he tells us in a positive sense, verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You're going to be more like Jesus. That's what's supposed to happen if you commit yourself fully to this church and you say, this is my church. Then he puts it in a negative. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says, listen, if you want to make sure you don't stay immature like a child where every storm of life throws you all out of whack, you have to commit yourself. You have to jump into the body of Christ. You know, I, I have a, you know, a new grandson, Ezekiel. He's a little over a year old. He, learned, he, walks, he walks pretty well. He walks well enough so that when he falls, it's kind of a shock to him. He's, he's surprised. And when, sometimes he'll fall right in front of me. And he falls on carpet, right? So it's not a big thing. But he, he acts like it's the end of the world. So I pick him up and I will say to him, hey, 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 buddy, buddy, you're okay. You're okay, shake it off. Stop, right? He understands everything. But he does that because he's a child, right? He's got no resilience yet. Sometimes I, I think we can be like that as Christians. 
right? Every little thing. No, I was, Paul the Apostle, obviously more mature than any of us, right? That's a given. He wrote most of the letters that he wrote in the Bible. He wrote them from prison. Read all of them. There's not a single place in any one of Paul's letters where he even hints at the idea of saying to God, why would you do this to me? How could you let this happen? In fact, he calls himself, he doesn't call himself a prisoner of Rome. He calls himself a prisoner of Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God's in control. I trust him. He sent Jesus to die for me. Why wouldn't I trust him? It's okay. Is that you? It's not me. And that's all a level of maturity, right? If, you, if every single thing that happens to you throws you all out of whack, and you're going, why? Why? Is that, you know, when Ezekiel falls, that's what he's saying. Like when he's yelling and crying, why? <laughs> why would this happen? And I'm going, because you're a kid and you're clumsy. Right? <laughs> when things happen to you, will you respond with maturity or you, will you stay fragile? Depend on how much you are willing to jump in and to become a part of the body of Christ. And then he finally puts it in another positive way, verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Are you growing more like Jesus? Some questions. Are you less irritable today than you were a year ago? Are you more generous? Did you give more this year than you gave last year? Are you less conceited, less prideful? Are you more forgiving? Are you serving more easily? Are you growing? Everything we do here at Christ Community Chapel is designed to help you become more like Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And finally, how God does it and how we do it. When Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 4, he is explaining, he starts out by saying, uh, God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip you for works of service. There are always two things. There's always input and output. That's how God grows you. The input is having someone teach you and explain the scriptures to you in a way that you can process and digest them, but then the second part is to serve. Now, there are some times in your life where you will just need to be built up. Think of convalescing after an accident. But once you start to get healthy, you need to get up and not keep laying down. In the same way, you will never be pure healthy if all you do is eat and you never exercise. But if all you do is exercise and you never eat, you will not be healthy. You have to do both. And this is the way we do it here at Christ Community Chapel. We call it CCC and three. We wanted to create a language where everyone would know what their next step would be. 
right here in this church. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know we talk a lot about next steps. This is why. Because we always want to be moving. But CCC in three is this. First, CCC, you commit yourself to worship. That means you don't, you're not hit or miss for this, for what we're doing right now. And the, the, the longer I have uh, been a pastor, the more convinced I am of how important this is. I have watched hundreds and hundreds of people either become more resilient or more fragile, more spiritually healthy or more spiritually sick, depending on their commitment on how much of a priority they make this moment, this time. So CCC means, means that you make worship a priority, right? And then for us, we ask you to take the reimagine class so that you kind of know what we're all about. That's the CCC part. And then the and three is we want you to add three things. Your plus one, when you are ready, after you've been worshiping and made worship a priority, if you want to grow, the first thing you do is your plus one, which is find a place to serve. There is no way to get around this. You will not be, uh, you will not move from being a consumer to being a disciple without serving. Listen, it's easy to think that uh, we ask you to serve because we need it. That's not it. Paul, Paul wasn't trying to fill slots when Paul says this. Paul wasn't going, hey, we need help in the nursery. You know, serve. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to be healthy as a Christian, this is what you do. You serve because that's what Jesus did. So I don't care how old you are. I don't care what's going on. I don't, care how even, I don't even care how much time you have. If you are willing we can find, we will obligate ourselves to find a place for you to serve because we feel like that is absolutely critical for you becoming what God intended you to be, for you becoming the best version of yourself. That's your plus one. Once you're serving, you add a plus two. Plus two is a circle. A circle is what we call our small group ministry. We believe that real growth happens face-to-face -face in relationship. Now, until you get a circle, or after you get a circle, we also have other things like Bible studies and support groups that can supplement your growth, right? But that's your plus two is to get a, become a part of a circle. And then finally, your plus three is to find a place in the community where you are rubbing shoulders with people who do not yet know Jesus. Because Jesus says, as we mature, we become salt and light. And we participate in his mission to impact other people and to bring them to himself. All right. Listen, that woman, Alice, in the book What Alice Forgot, woke up and realized 10 years later that she had become a much worse version of herself than she wanted to be. What do you want to be like next year? What do you want to be like five years? years from now? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to be more resilient and less fragile? Do you want to be a better version of you? Paul tells us how we can do that. He gives us an instrument. He calls it the body of Christ, the church. What you are like a year from now, five years from now, starts with your decision today.
to say, this is my church. All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, I am grateful. Uh, I am grateful for all the people that you brought here right now. And Lord, I, I pray for all of us. I, I want all of us together. I want to be the best version of me. And for that, I need uh, the people here. And I want them to be the best version of them. So I pray that you will, in this church, you will grow us together into the full stature of Christ. That a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, we will look back and say, what a wonderful, wonderful journey. It's been a million little things that have grown us into what we are. It's exactly what we wanted to have happen. I pray that that would be the case. Thanks for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.